Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today, or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, let's take a look at our, our postulate for today. Uh, if you've not been with us uh, lately or at all, uh, these are some things we've talked about in the past as far as how powerful your emotions are and feelings, and uh, that really your emotions and the non-physical control the physical. 99% of all body operations are done by your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, which is largely unconscious, okay? Breathing, immune system, healing, white blood cells, uh, digestion, all that stuff that you don't ever think about, but it happens, okay? So if you're interested in that, then uh, that's a few episodes back. Um, this is uh, sort of a mission that Dr. David Peck and I are on. Dr. David is a double uh, board certified MD surgeon at uh, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York uh, and has been a professor of medicine at, at Columbia for 24 years plus. Over 50 uh, clinical articles published in peer-reviewed journals, and four United States patents in the area of health. And we are on a mission for emotional well-being. We would like to help at least one to two million people in the next year or two have their emotional well-being increase by a hundred percent or more. And we believe if we can do that, Number one, those one or two million people will have a pretty significantly different and better life than they would have had without that. And number two, from those million to two million, we believe we can spread to hundreds of millions. Why? Because it works. And we have the studies and the medical test uh, to prove it. And what we're, what we're talking about on New Jesus is sort of a combination 
an integration of spirituality from the Bible, of, uh, of how our body works, how our mind works, psychology, philosophy, uh, all sorts of things, medicine, um, combining. And I believe that all truth, if it's real truth and accurate, is consistent with Scripture. But, 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 consistent with actual Scripture in that language at that time. Not always accurate with what we've ended up with today. And we've talked a lot about that, and I'm not going to go deep into that right now. Um, we're going to address these in a few minutes, so I'm not going to say anything about those. And then here's our postulate for the week. Choosing anything but love when love's available is sin. Now, I put an exclamation point. It might should be a question mark. So think about it maybe as both an exclamation and a question mark and see which resonates most with you. Choosing anything but love when love is available is sin. The more sin, the more pain. Okay? Um, and I believe that love is virtually always available. Okay? And that maybe we have a wrong definition or not a completely accurate, all-inclusive definition of sin. Okay? So, let's start uh, with the board from last week and review just a little bit. Okay? Uh, we're still wanting that high road versus the low road. You can choose either one. It's up to you. And you can go back and forth. Alright? And these are sort of the negative internal states of stress. Mad, sad, afraid, I'm not safe, I'm bad, or I'm not good enough. Uh, my belief, I, of course I believe things, but I've got some wrong beliefs that are causing me problems. Uh, I have trouble trusting uh, because of maybe some painful things that have happened. And then failure, and we talked about how failure isn't typically thought of as an emotion or a feeling, but there is for sure, big time, emotion and feeling that goes along with failure that has to do with your identity, worth, are you bad, are you good, are you safe, are you not safe. Uh, the two main pillars are significance and security. And if you feel like you're a failure, you always feel insignificant. You may also feel, depending on the circumstances, not safe. And those two together are killers, and they often do go together. Uh, safe is safe physically or non-physically. This is the category of rejection, okay? And rejection, I've never met anyone who doesn't have rejection issues. Most people have a whole bunch of them, all right? So these are the negative internal states of stress that kick us into habits or addictions. And we talked about that the last two weeks, okay? Uh, 
What do you do about habits and addictions? Ah, my screensaver came up. Let me refresh that. Okay, uh, so if we're not careful, we're not responsible for the thoughts we have, we're responsible for the thoughts we keep. And we're supposed to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So when we have these emotions, feelings, and thoughts that come from stress, and the stress always comes from a lie or untruth in our spiritual heart, unconscious, subconscious, that's what psychology calls them, sins of the fathers or generational ancestry stuff. But anyway, if we don't take these captive and just let them do whatever they do, Almost every time they're going to kick us over to a habit or an addiction and then we get caught in a vicious loop addicted to the brain chemistry related to the habit or addiction and the brain chemistry comes from the untruth in our memories. Okay, so and until we fix it at the source, chances are nothing's going to change that very much. So you can do all the New Year's resolutions you want they're probably not going to work very well until you get rid of this stuff, okay? Take it captive uh, and, and heal the source of your habits and addictions. Anything but love and truth is wrong and will end in more pain, not less. What's the point of that? You do the habit and addiction for less pain but it causes more. Now, it may give you a few minutes of pleasure, too. But in the end, it's going to be way more pain than the pleasure, and it'll be less pleasure, too, than if you had just waited on the Lord, taken the thought captive, and waited for God to give you the strength to overcome that, which is kind of the part two from last week. Okay, and these are the steps that I introduced last week as far as, okay, when you, when you hit this and you're at a moment of decision, you're going to take some action. You're either going to do the habit or addiction you're being tempted to do, or you're not. All right, well, these are the steps, I believe, and I've added one or two since last week, so it's important to get that. And this is another list. For, uh, that we will post with the list, which are in the chats or the notes that you can see um, right there on the page that you're on, okay? Number one, turn the self-talk into God talk, okay? Take it captive. Turn it into God talk. You don't need to change your word. Number two, the five-second rule. If you don't know what that is, watch the one from last week. Uh, you have to act within five seconds or typically your mind will kill the desire to act, okay? And that's not so much true of the negative stuff, but more of the positive, all right? Uh, number three, wait 15 minutes before you act in a negative way. At least 15 minutes, okay? Wait at least 15 minutes. During the 15 minutes, you're going to go to the you're going to go to the description of the throne room of heaven with Jesus in Revelation 1. 
You're going you're gonna to go there with your image maker or imagination, but it's not a made-up, pretend imagination. It's absolutely real. The mystery of the ages. Jesus and I are one. I'm seated with him in the heavenlies. He's here with me right here and now. So when I do this, it's not, even though I don't see heaven, even though I don't see Jesus, according to scripture, it's absolutely real and I should treat it that way. Okay? So when I go to that Revelation 1 scene, uh, I do it on my knees, but you can do it however you want. Standing, walking, knees, recliner, couch, bed. Um, I don't think it matters that much to God. Just be respectful. Okay? So when you go there, you wait at least 15 minutes. While you wait, confess, repent. If you just did a habit or addiction or anything, I mean, whatever your heart is in your heart and you're moved to do, as long as it's sincere, confess, repent, listen, ask. Ask what? For help for healing, to heal the cancer, to heal the diabetes, to heal the MS, to heal the anxiety, to heal the stress, to heal the pain from the habit or addiction that I'm in bondage to, uh, some relationship, some situation at work, our finances, whatever, all right? Ask. And then, so that's in addition to wait, confess, repent, listen, ask, and then the, um, the additional one, I would actually put before number six. So number six becomes number seven. Let me change that. Number six becomes number seven. And number six is now this one. The second Corinthians four, 10. And that's where um, it says that when I hit pain, this or this, I believe, I stop, I turn to the Lord, I wait, I say uh, what Oswald Chambers uh, recommends in his book, My Utmost for His Highest, is, Lord, I would be delighted to obey you even in this painful situation. I may not be able to do it right. Please give me the strength. Give me, let me wait on you like the Isaiah passage says and exchange my strength for yours. I would also ask, let me exchange my feelings for yours, my uh, thoughts for yours, my beliefs for your truth, my actions for what is pleasing and faithful to you. Okay? I would... Pray all of that, okay, in this, in the 2 Corinthians 4, number, item number 6, okay? What Oswald says is, if I do that, now I can't wait. If I wait, it grieves the Holy Spirit, but it's kind of like the five-second thing. If I don't wait and immediately act, turn to the, stop, turn to the Lord. I don't want to do this. I'm being tempted over here, but I don't want to do it. Stop, turn to the Lord. Go to, go to the Revelation 1 place, the safe harbor, the changing. When you go to Revelation 1, if you're really there, 
it changes the channel on all of this from the negative to neutral and maybe even the positive where maybe now you can do what you couldn't do before all right and that's what scripture says wait on the lord and you'll exchange your strength for his now we don't know how long that'll take and in 15 minutes it may not have happened yet okay i'm not saying stop at 15 minutes i'm saying wait at least 15 minutes okay okay and again second corinthians 4 10 according to oswald if i do that lord i'd be delighted to obey you in this but you may have to help me okay it says if i will do that and mean it that immediately jesus moves to the forefront of my life think steering wheel and the life of jesus manifests in my physical body and we talked last week about how it appears jesus has a physical body and we will too it's just a different physical body all right well what could be better uh when I was in my 20s, I had acid reflux. What could be better for my acid reflux than the life of Jesus manifesting in my body where that acid reflux is? Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing could be that powerful. Okay? And then, now number seven, act. So, that, I, that means either go ahead and do the, you're going to go ahead and do the habit or addiction, even though you don't want to, even though you waited the 15 minutes, it's over, and you're still not strong enough to resist, or you feel like you can't, or you're strong enough, but you just want to do this. Okay? You just want to. You're in the habit. It feels good for a few minutes at least. You just want to do it. All right? Well, okay. I believe if you go through this first that even if you do do this, you are still saved and in a state of grace. Why? Because we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace, lest anyone should boast. Okay? A righteousness apart from the law, Romans 3, is where we are now. The love of Christ compels me, not the fear of punishment if I do the wrong thing. Okay, so hopefully I will act exchanging my strength for the Lord's and now not doing this thing. But either way, I believe I'm still saved and in a state of grace because it's about the intention of my heart. And God judges the heart, not the action. He even said, was, just, was that, Paul said, was Abraham justified by what he believed or because of what because he obeyed his behavior. He says no, it was because of what he believed, not because he obeyed. All right? Uh, and then I wrote a couple other things that you can do during this 15 minutes too. Um, the alpha inducer, which lowers your stress pretty dramatically, puts you in a partial alpha state. The vagus nerve breathing, which does the same, turns on your anti-stress system for about two hours. Uh, the healing code, which we gave you for free, six double-blind studies and medical tests uh, prove its validity for almost any issue you can name, physical and non-physical. 
uh, trilogies, the newest version of that uh, that rates even higher than the healing code on the medical test, uh, up to 98% effective in 30 minutes, meaning your stress lowered by 50% or more. And then the belief profiling, which is kind of how you determine the truth and go on a search to find out, okay, what is the right way for me to live about this issue? And then I'm going to use one of these interventions or just ask God to heal it um, once I have it profiled out and know all the components and feel like I have a holistic picture of it and am ready to make an informed correct decision. Not just doing it because that's what my parents did or, or whatever. All right? So that is, I believe, a pretty good seven-step process for what you do when either pain hits or a negative inward state and you're tempted to go for a habit or addiction or you're, or you're just really down in the dumps, all right? I would say anytime you need it, no matter what the situation, maybe you just sit super tired, go through this and I think you'll feel way more energy later. Okay, so um, let's uh, flip over to today. All right. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fives, Galatians 5, Matthew 5, Jesus and Paul, the def God's definition of success and happiness. And everyone is typically on this minus 10 to plus 10 scale as far as our internal state from totally negative to totally positive. And there's an overall score, and then there would be a score for each individual issue. And we talked about a couple of tests, again, that I took me years to develop, that I'm giving you for free. So you can take those tests and determine where you are not only on the minus 10 to plus 10, but high road or low road. Okay? All right. So... Let's start for, for this week. Um, we're kind of done with the addictions and, and habits of the last two weeks, so where are we going? Whatever is temporary is not it. It being the thing that you want to live your life for. Whatever's temporary is not it. Whatever is seen with the physical eyes is temporary. Which means, whatever we can see with the physical eyes is not it. Are you living more for things you can see or for the unseen? The, the internal state is the unseen. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, unseen. Angels, demons, unseen. The kingdom of God, unseen but all there. And we're told our struggles not against flesh and blood. It is with this battle of the unseen, and we're told in Scripture, the battle is the Lord's, not ours. Okay? All right. Most sin is about the flesh and what is seen with the physical eyes or felt physically. Think about it. Almost all sin is that. It's flesh or 
what we see with our eyes, okay? I mean, pornography, food, um, uh, stuff like televisions, houses, I mean, I mean, all of that. Truth and love and the permanent is seen only with spiritual eyes. The scripture from Psalms, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Why? That I may see you. And I believe that Revelation 1 passage and what we describe going there is part of how you can see God with your spiritual eyes and have the eyes of your heart opened. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but in uh, the ancient Hebrews, the ancient Hebrews thousands of years ago had what were called schools of prophecy, okay? Uh, Larry, Mint Larry Napier, my mentor, taught me about this and also read books about it. It's all documented. It is true. The, the purpose of those schools of prophecy were to have an actual one-on-one -on -one encounter with Yahweh God. An encounter that would almost be like a near-death experience that we think of today that would change my life forever. And based on the research and the, you know, at that time and what's been passed down in those books and stuff, that actually happened. Well, how did they do it? Well, they would lay prostrate on the ground or in some other different positions and they would sit for or lay down for hours at a time envisioning the passage from the Old Testament of the Lord high and lifted up. Okay? And they did that day after day, hour after hour, hour after hour, in order to have a one-on-one -on -one personal relational experience with God that would change them on the inside. Okay? And it happened. All right? Well, the modern version of that if you want to think of it that way, the New Testament version, the New Covenant version, is Revelation 1. What we've been talking about last week, this week, just a minute ago. Um, here's, here's, here's how that kind of works, in my opinion. Um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians uh, 3. The Apostle Paul says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed from glory to glory. What does glory to glory mean? Higher and higher on our own mountaintop. Okay? Our spiritual journey. The, the high road, that's really what it's talking about. The high road, okay? And Paul says, we gaze at this with unveiled face as if in a mirror. Now, that passage where it talks about as if in a mirror is the only place that 
word from the original language is used in the entire Bible. And it literally means magic mirror, like the mirror in Snow White. Okay? So Paul is looking in a mirror. We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord as if in a mirror. All right? Why a mirror? Because he's in me. Jesus and I are one, the mystery of the ages. I'm seated with him in the heavenlies. He's here in me right now, the mystery of the ages. So if God opens the eyes of my heart and Jesus and I are one, that's how I can see God. I can see Jesus. I can see the unseen with my spiritual eyes. The very next chapter, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that shines in the face of Jesus and illuminates our heart. Okay. Um, Revelation 1, last week, we read the whole passage, okay? And it talked about Jesus' face was like the sound of rushing waters. Uh, I'm sorry, his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. His face was like the sun at midday. All right? So when Paul is saying, we with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, the glory, the light that shines from his face, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that shines in the face of Jesus. And then when I gaze at that, Scripture says it illuminates my heart. Well, my heart is what psychology calls the unconscious and subconscious. The heart is what God judges. The heart is what God wants. The heart is where it's the best of the best. It's where my conscience is. It's where the Spirit of God is. It's where my spirit is. It's, it, it, but it's also, according to Scripture, like uh, Genesis 4, I believe, the heart of man is inclined toward evil from his youth. So it's the best of the best and the worst of the worst. Okay? Why? Because it's my choice. This whole thing is about love. Love requires a choice. If, I, if God ruled out choice, he's ruled out love. So I have to have the choice not to love. And I do. Okay? But if I'm choosing love, then just like the schools of prophecy, I can, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, in the Revelation 1 real scene, not pretend, not made up, and the light of the knowledge of the glory of God can illuminate my heart. Well, what's the problem in every... in every one of... Uh, in every one of these situations, habits, addictions, and the negative internal states, what's the problem? Well, the problem, where's that newspaper article, is that Southwestern University Medical School and Medical Center was searching for the cause of all illness and disease. And they found it. And they said, it's your memories. Okay? And those memories mean the difference between life and death, between illness and disease, and they said in there 
in that interview with the head of the department, Dr. Eric Nessler, a medical doctor from Harvard, who was head of the department at Southwestern, said, when we figure out how to do this, it's going to change everything in health. Well, they hadn't figured out how to do it yet, but I believe we have. Okay? Um, and and that's th this is a big, big, big part of it. Okay? So, anyway... Open the eyes of my heart that I may see you. How do I do that? By spending time with you in that Revelation 1 place right here as we are one, closing my eyes, talking, praying, uh, thinking about Scripture, thinking about J stories related to Jesus. I mean, that's what it says about the Lord's Supper, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Okay? We're supposed to remember Okay, and then interact right now today as well, both. And we do that in every relationship, right? I, I have a wonderful wife named Hope. And all the time I remember things that we've done and places that we've gone and our children growing up and stuff. We were talking just Sunday about that and we were laughing and, and uh, remembering these places we'd been and stupid things I'd done and, and all that sort of thing, okay? We remember those in relationships that are important to us, both positive and negative, but then we also have the right now relationship, both. Well, same way. The only difference is you can't, well, for most of us, see Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit with your physical eyes. I can hope, I can you, I can me and other people. Why is that? Because Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Time was invented because love requires faith and belief and trust. And it requires time. Okay. Um, I was working with a um, uh, gentleman one time, and he called me and he said, um, Hey, Dr. Lloyd, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a contractor, I build houses and buildings in this certain town. And I'm not a huge contractor, but I'm one of the biggest ones in my town. My town's not a big city, but it's, you know, bigger than just a little place too. And he said, I, I wanted to thank you. I had this health problem. I've been doing the healing codes and it's gone now. But now that my health thing is better, what I need help with is my business. It's, it's success and failure. And I, and I didn't really even want to do that with him, okay? We, were, we, were, we, we had more than we could do just working with health issues. But I said, okay, well, what's your situation? And he said, well, like I said, I'm a contractor. And I have always had a dream of making a million dollars net, not gross, a million dollars in one year. I think he'd had that goal for over 10 years. And he said, I've tried every program, all the New Year's resolutions, everything. I mean, corporate things. The highest I've ever gotten was half that. Half a million. Can you help me? Well, I wasn't really interested in that. Money, money um, is not really what drives me. But I, I did feel a responsibility. He'd been a client of mine, and I wanted to help. So 
I walked him through this process of how to work on that as a spiritual issue, okay? And um, basically, he had to give up the end results, okay? He was cutting corners. He was overcharging. He was not being great to his employees, you know, stuff like that. He had to start being a man of integrity and character in not only what he said, but what he did, and to go the extra mile. And, and so that when his house was finished, the person who lived in it, wow, boy, is this a beautifully built house instead of, boy, it's a short, sort of uh, shoddy work, okay? And, and he did that, okay? And he told me he'd been working 60, 70, 80 hours a week sometimes, and uh, anyway, I walked him through how to do all this, okay? Giving up the money, giving up the end result, focusing in the present in love. Uh, whether you make more money or less, that's not the point. The point is how you treat your clients and the quality of work that you do, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, then I said goodbye. And I always wondered what happened to him. And about, oh, I guess it was a year and a half later, he called me. And he said, hey, Dr. Lloyd, I bet you don't remember me. And I did. And he said, well, I just wanted to tell you what happened. Now, this guy was a big-time alpha type A personality. I mean, blowing and going, you know, hard driving, all right? I really didn't think he would do what I told him to do. I, I, I didn't know if he could do it because he was so type A and was so tied to money and stuff. But anyway, a year and a half later, we're on the phone, and he said, um, you know, I really didn't want to do that and, 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 and had already decided not to do it. But then a couple of months later, I, I, was, I was feeling kind of bad, my health. Uh, nothing was getting any better. In fact, it was getting worse, and I thought, well, I paid this Lloyd guy. I mean, even though that doesn't make sense, I might as well try it. I've got everything, and there's nothing to lose to try it. And every, I've tried everything else. And he said, I called to tell you that I did not reach my goal of a million dollars in a year. I didn't. He said, I made two million the first year. And he said, Dr. Lloyd... I have racked my brain and I cannot even tell you how it happened. He said, it's been the easiest year of work I've ever had. I've worked 40 hours a week and no more. I gave all my employees a raise and cut their hours. I started doing uh, top-end work, which takes longer and costs more, so it decreased my profit margin some. But he said, but at the end of the year, when we... I mean, we knew everything was going up, but I had no idea how much. And we made over $2 million net the first year that I did your success plan, which is really just what I'm talking to you guys about every week. It's living in the present in love as best I can. I'll never do it right. Giving up the end result to God, even though I'm working toward it, probably working harder than I ever have. And then, when I give the end result up, all the pressure comes off. Okay? 
Dr. Dan Gilbert at Harvard, in a wonderful best-selling book, Stumbling into Happiness, an original study on the campus at Harvard, and the result of the study was this, direct quote from Dr. Gilbert, expectations are a happiness killer. And, and what they found is that as the instant you have an expectation about an end result happening sometime in the future, it causes the hypothalamus to flip your stress switch on. For how long? However long you have that goal. And many people have it for decades or their entire adult life. Okay? If you're already in stress, which most people are, then when you, have, when you adopt that goal, it spikes your stress. Okay, so if you don't give up the end result, in a way, at least now that I've told you this, you're choosing the negative inward state and the habits and addictions. Because that's for sure what you're going to get. If, if you're focused on the end result, seek pleasure, avoid pain, that's what you're going to get. Okay, so I believe... The success process is God's way for emotional well-being and healthy spirituality versus Satan's way to keep you on the low road and over here in the negative as far as the internal state. Okay, what's the definition of sin? It's to miss the mark. Okay? A lot of people believe the definition of sin is some horrible, terrible, almost monster movie or, or Halloween movie type horror thing. Okay? Well, it can be. And, and some sins are. And they're just unthinkable, unspeakable. But the actual definition is simply to miss the mark. What I call the anatomy of sin... Okay, once you've missed the mark, is repetitive love substitutes. You keep doing out of the out of the negative internal state that comes from sin. You just keep doing the habit and addiction over and over and over and over and over. Not waiting on the Lord, not going to be with Him for that 15 minutes, not asking Him to heal it, not taking every thought captive, not acting within five seconds, but repetitive love substitutes. Okay? Uh, a number of months ago, I shared um, a story of, of a dear, dear friend of mine named uh, Todd Bell, who uh, one of the finest men I know. And... Um, Anyway, Todd and I were um, catching up. I'd been living in another city, and so had he, and we had, hadn't seen each other in a long time. We grew up in school together, summer camp. Uh, he was my intern at a job for two or three years as well, so we knew each other very well. And he was telling me how God had called him to be a street preacher, and he, and he did that for, I don't know, a year or two years I, I don't know, some period of time, but not just like a month or so. And his favorite thing to do was go to the bar and have a beer and talk to the prostitutes. And 
His conversation with the prostitutes, he said, would go in a pretty predictable way. He would ask them a question. Once it was, hi, my name's Todd, your name is Mary, you know, I, I, I live over there, you live over, you know, after that stuff, Todd would ask him a question. This is it. Did you know that there will not be one person in hell because of sin? And he said, when he would ask that question, he could see, and sometimes they would even act toward him, angry. This guy knows I'm a prostitute, and he's messing with me. He's poking me with a stick. All right? That was step one. Step two, Todd would convince him he was not poking him with a stick. He was being serious. Now, this might take 30 minutes. It might be over several weeks or months, okay? But stage two is with the, with the prostitute was, okay, he's not poking me with a stick, but he's just wrong, okay? He's just wrong. That is not possible, okay? Todd would keep talking, visiting. Step three, oh my goodness. Can this really be possible? You mean my life isn't over? You mean there's hope for me? You mean I still might have a decent life? I still might be a mom that my child maybe wouldn't be completely ashamed of? And oftentimes, Todd would lead him out of that life. Well, how could Todd say that? What's the truth of that? The truth is that the only people that will be in hell, whatever hell is, will be people who did not accept the free gift love of God. purchase salvation and desires all to come to repentance. Okay? So, you can start over. I don't care what you've done, what you haven't done, where you come from, what your family did, what your rep is. I don't care. With, with God, you can start over this minute, today, tonight and and be clean and free and ready to live your life maybe in a way you've never been able to live it before okay so go back to sin uh, definition and anatomy so so where are you on that okay are you afraid of hell because of sin all right? My dad was. My dad had been a Christian all his life, and he was absolutely terrified that he would have a stray sinful thought before he had the time to repent, have a heart attack or something, and die suddenly and go to hell. He was terrified of that for like two years at the end of his life. Well, 
I believe that was always untrue. That was always a lie. He did not have to be burdened by that. Okay? But most people are. All right? So, if you hit the mark, let's go up to the definition of sin, missing the mark. If you hit the mark, there's less pain and more pleasure, right? Let's uh, think about archery, okay? You're out, you're out here on a sunny, nice day, and you're just having a good time doing some archery, all right? If you hit the mark, it feels good, doesn't it? If you hit the bullseye, it feels good. If you miss the target altogether, it's, ah, shoot, that was a bad shot. Uh, let, me, let me try again, okay? Right? You get it. So, if you hit the mark, less pain, more pleasure. If you miss the mark, more pain, less pleasure. That's sin, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? The negative inward state kicks us to habits and addictions, all right? And we, if we choose anything but love and truth, it, it's the wrong choice and it will end up in more pain instead of less. What's the point? The reason I did this was for less pain and more pleasure. What it gets me 100% of the time is less pleasure and more pain. Okay? Um, so, how do you get better at hitting the mark. How do you get better at not doing the repetitive love substitutes? Well, I think it's like a lot of things. It's uh, practice. It's coaching. It's intention. It's research. It's work. It's, it, it, it's kind of all of the above, including the Holy Spirit leading and guiding me to all truth. Okay? So, I want to I want to review here, just for a second, these two lists. The four things, to me, are God's rules for guaranteed success. Let me move this a little bit so you can see better. And these are the four. Number one, love. I'm right with God, okay? And... I am committed to love as best I can in the present moment. Number two, an intention only for good in everything I do. Number three, do my absolute best at everything I do. Not 99%, 100. And number four, to prioritize and invest daily in relationships. You do that, and I believe you are in a grace state and you have a guaranteed outcome of success. Now, what is that? No idea. It's different for every single person. But, and, 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 and your success may not be what you think you want. But what I've heard for 30 years as I've helped people through this is that when they get there, they very often tell me, Hey, Alex, I just want you to know, I ne back then, I never would have thought of this as any great success. But now that I'm here, I know it is just perfect for me. And, and there's always the and, I will never go back.
go back to what? The negative internal state and the habit addiction cycle. And I hope at the end of today that you won't ever want to go back either. And then the second list, the requir God's requirements for love. These are his laws that line the high road and keep us on that high road on the right path. Belief. Okay? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Belief is the umbrella. Faith related to the past. Trust related to the present. Hope related to the future. But all belief. And all of us have beliefs. But the problem is, based on the latest research, and we've talked about this extensively, for most of us, about 50% of our beliefs are in error. So we've got to get that cleaned up, or there's no way we're going to get out of that negative internal state with 50% lies and errors inside my programming, just like a computer virus. And it'll have a similar effect. It makes me malfunction. Makes me get cancer, or anxiety, or diabetes, or uh, destroy relationships, or do bad at work and get fired, or whatever. All right? That's where all that comes from. Choice. You, we said a minute ago, if you don't have the choice to not love, then you've eliminated love. Because love requires a free will choice. What's the other choice? Fear. Fear is the opposite of love. The Bible says 365 times fear not, over 800 times love. Time. Because belief requires time. If there was no time, belief wouldn't exist. It would all be sight. Okay? I believe for us, uh, time is like a line from the start of our life to the end. But for God, it's like a circle where he can see everything right in the middle. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Um, G uh, uh, God foreknew me, Romans 8, before the foundations of the world and chose me. Okay? And, and you. All right? Truth. Uh, truth always points the way to love. Falsehood or lies always point the way to fear. Justice. This is a huge one. God is a God of justice. Uh, our world is a God of... Our world is a world of justice. All right? If we were to be stranded on a desert island, one of the very first things we would do outside of making every, sure everyone was safe and we had uh, uh, rescued whatever provisions we could that we might need, once we did all the emergency stuff, probably the first thing we would do would set, is set up a system of justice. We've only got this many bottles of water, so everybody gets one a day. If you catch somebody sneaking two a day, there's some punishment or consequence for that, all right? Because it has to be fair. It has to be just, all right? So you have to have full justice, but also, number seven, full grace, which means I don't have to pay for it no matter how many sins I do because it's already been paid for by Jesus. He's got the receipt for it because he paid for it, and it does not have to be paid for twice. Okay? So, once I'm saved by grace and in right standing 
with the Lord, all right, no matter how many times I sin, it's forgiven 100%, but I've, I've also got 100% justice because it's not that I got off the hook. Well, I got off the hook, but it's not that the um, whatever happened that deserved the punishment got off the hook. It's just that Jesus took the punishment instead of me. Okay? So that's paid for. All right? And then six, pain. Pain is maybe God's number one tool to keep us on this path and to show us when we've gotten off of it. Okay? So the requirements for love and the requirements for the grace day. I wanted to, we've not talked about that in a while and I wanted to hit it again. All right, so that's the four things for guaranteed success and the seven things for God's law of love. How do you achieve the 15 minutes love of Christ compels us? Um, your unconscious mind is largely in control of your life. We talked about that before, too. 99% um, of all body functions happen automatically, which means unconsciously. You're not aware of it, okay? And you don't control it. And, and maybe you even can't control it, all right? Um, I was... Uh, I, I traveled a lot before COVID, especially to Europe and Asia, doing lectures and stuff, workshops. And on one trip, I had a little toy wooden gun. Uh, it looked like a little kid's gun, okay? It looked like a toy. It was a light therapy device that I was testing. And I was curious what they were going to say when I went through security in Nashville with this thing that looks like a wooden gun. Well, they didn't say a thing. So, as I was packing up and putting my belt back on and all that stuff, I, I very lightheartedly, kindly, I think, and not loud either, said, and I'm sticking stuff in my bag, hey, you guys missed the thing that looked like a gun. <laughs> I said that. Well, within 20 seconds, I had like four great big guys grabbing hold of me to the point that it hurt and rushing me and put me in a locked room in the airport. And I was scared to death. And this guy comes in and he says, okay, tell me what happened. And I told him and he said, okay, it's a misunderstanding. We're going to let you go. You can catch your plane. But here's what he said. Dr. Lloyd, please do not ever again say the word gun around an airport. Those guys that grabbed you, they didn't have any choice. They had to do that or they would have been fired. That's their job, okay? So it's okay, but please don't do it again. And I promised and I've not done it again. Your unconscious mind has guards that are looking or guns and hand grenades and um, whatever, all right? That, the negative inward state, the negative habits and addictions, that negative loop that you keep doing over and over and over, okay? Um, 
And the number one job, the number one mandate and programming, like a computer, of your unconscious mind is this, to keep you physically alive. That's it. That's its number one mandate. All right? So, your unconscious doesn't really care if it overreacts. If it overreacts, you're still alive. If it underreacts, you might be dead. So it overreacts all the time. How does it overreact? By pulling the fire alarm. Your fight or flight is only supposed to be activated once or twice a year for 15 minutes and then right back to peace. The latest research says we're going into fight or flight eight to 10 or more times every day. For an average person, we're living there, okay? Well, we're not built for that, okay? Well, what's the repercussion? The repercussion is that our bodies and minds are built to, to live to approximately 120 and healthy. Stress is stealing away about a third of our healthy lifespan, okay? We think this is normal. It is not normal. It's not the way we're built to work. Okay? Uh, that's why I believe we're sicker than we've ever been, and it just keeps getting worse. More and more prescriptions, more and more surgeries, more and more illnesses, more and more... Okay? We were living longer, but now that's even backed up, where the lifespan has shortened. And that was before COVID, not just after. Okay, so that unconscious manager of those 99% of things that happen automatically and your spiritual heart and unconscious mind only has one thing that can cause it to put aside the prime mandate of keeping you alive. Know what that is? If you commit... And I mean commit from the bottom of your heart, the marrow of your bone, bottom of your, however you want to put it. Your, your heart knows if you're not really committed. You're just trying this. If you ever in your life truly commit to God, to Jesus, to love, no matter what, give up the end results. I'm going to live in the present and love as best I can let the chips fall where they may, okay? But I'm never going back. I'm never going back to living in fear, that negative inward state, habits and addictions. I'm not going back. If you ever truly commit to that, you know what happens? Your unconscious manager says, Attention! Attention, everybody! Alex just got it! Release the safety measures. Let him fly. Why? Because the only thing more important than death is love. And so if you ever truly choose and truly commit to the Lord and to real love, no matter what, and, and your unconscious mind can tell he means it. 
Now, he may fall down tomorrow, but today, in his heart, he really means this. Your heart will release the safety measures. What are the safety measures? Negative internal state to keep you afraid and to keep you where you are rather than you going off on some life adventure either actually or metaphorically because if you're not living in love it is really dangerous out there okay all right A uh, number of weeks ago, we're about to wrap this up, um, I told a story that's the best thing I've ever come up with to describe grace. And it really happened. It's a true story. Uh, a teenager, a young man, fine young man. I knew him. Know him, I guess, but I hadn't seen him in decades. Um, was turning 16 years old. Uh, his parents were not wealthy. His father had always dreamed of having a new Corvette, and he'd never had one, but he'd been saving his money literally for 20 years. And finally, the day came, and he bought a shiny new red Corvette, all right? And I mean, he drove that baby home, and the whole family was oohing and on and taking pictures and hugging and happy. I finally got it! Finally! Boy, he waited for that for a long time. You know, everybody was really thrilled. Well, the young boy, his son, who had just turned 16, comes to his father, and he's not sure about this, but he's also super excited. He says, hey, Dad. I know it's asking a lot, and if the answer's no, I understand. Is there any way you would let me borrow your new Corvette to take my girlfriend to the prom? And oh, wow, Dad wasn't expecting that. His, his pride and joy, he's been saving 20 years. But he also looked in his son's eyes and was touched and said, okay, yeah, you can, you can, borrow it. Just be careful. Have fun. Okay. So he goes out, they go to the prom, they have a great time, and he's not used to driving a car like this, you understand. Has way more power than he's used to. Turns different. All that sort of thing. Anyway, he ends up wrapping it around a telephone pole on the way home. Neither he nor his date are harmed. Uh, just some scratches and stuff, but the car is totaled. All right, so they call the police, bring the car home. The little boys, the 16-year-old the has been practicing what he's going to say to his dad and is just terrified. I mean, he's just sick, about to die in this situation. So he's all prepared for the mom and dad to be mad at him and ground him for 20 years and take away his allowance and be yell at him and all this kind of stuff. And he gets home and the police have notified his parents, and so he's slowly with his head down, walking up. They had taken his date home, and um, all of a sudden, his dad is running toward him. And he's like, oh man, he's really mad. And then when his dad gets to him, 
he opens his arms and just swallows his son up in a gigantic hug and is saying into his ear, son, don't you worry about that car. That is just a thing. Maybe we'll replace that. Maybe we won't, but it doesn't matter. It's just a thing. That is not important. You are what's important, and I am so glad you're okay. I love you. Don't you worry about the car. And the 16-year-old boy just, <sighs> wow, does a 180 from totally afraid and terrified and feeling horrible to all of a sudden feeling really good, but, 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 battling. I shouldn't be feeling good. Look what just happened, but yet. And he told me that was when he knew he was loved exactly the way he was with warts and all that changed the whole rest of his life. Ladies and gentlemen, that's about the best definition I can come up with for grace. And of course, God is the Father who owns the Corvette, we're the 16-year-old kid, etc. But the rest of it, metaphorically at least, the principles are basically the same. Um, so, are you living God's way or Satan's way? Are you missing the mark or repeating love substitutes, habits, and addictions. If you are, you need to practice. You need to ask God to help you. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to make sure you're, on, you're living by the four things on the guaranteed success. You need to make sure you're on the high road, the seven rules of love, all right? But then, you gotta get to a place where you commit for life. Nothing held back, no plan B, no safety net, no matter what, forever. And that's hard to do. Now don't say that to God in prayer or, or whatever if you don't mean it. If you don't mean it, it's like a lie and it'll spike your stress. But every day, see if you can take a little baby step closer and pray and say what you can in truth. Like, Father, I want to fully commit to love forever, no matter what. But something's just holding me back. Please help me. And then maybe the next day you feel a little bit closer I'm feeling closer, but I know I'm still not there. Help me get those last steps, okay? And, and this is the last thing I'm going to say and then close up. Um, and if you approach this commitment to love, like some people do getting into a pool where instead of jumping in the deep end, they stick a toe in to see <laughs> how it feels. And what they're thinking is, if that water feels good, I'll get in. If it doesn't feel good... I may not get in, okay? If that's, if that's the way you're approaching the commitment to love, don't even bother. Your heart will know that you're not fully committed and it'll, it, it won't 
have the positive effect and it may even have a bigger negative effect, all right? But when you do get to the place where you feel it and you know, I can say this and mean it. I feel it. I mean it. Now, I may not mean it tomorrow, but I mean it now. Okay, say it. Say it when you mean it. And then ask God to help you and keep meaning it. Maybe go to the Revelation 1 place for that, to confess that and, and help me live this. I know it's going to be a struggle the rest of my life. I know I'm going to still have pain and be tempted by the habits or addictions and that negative inward state. Help me to take every thought captive. Help me to do the seven laws of love. Help me to do the four steps to guaranteed success. Help me live the life that you have for me to live. My best life. Okay? Uh, um, and I believe when that happens, and if it happens, it's not completely like a near-death experience, but it's similar. You are changed. You may fall a whole bunch more times, but you're changed and you'll never be the way you were again, probably. You're changed. Okay? Uh, and in some cases, it will be very dramatic. Some of you, like the, like the ancient Hebrews in the schools of prophecy, in, Revel in that Revelation 1 um, scenario, will have a one-on-one -on -one experience with God that will change you. And I've had that happen a number of times, okay? The passage says that Jesus put his hand on John and said, I'm the beginning and the end, the one who is dead and is now alive forevermore. And I fear not because I hold the keys of everything that you need in your life. All right? Some of you will have a one-on-one -on -one encounter that will change you, and I have, and, and many others that I've worked with, okay? So I believe God builds in all kinds of ways, all kinds of, of, of escape doors for us in order to have a successful life and hopefully share that with other people. The good news. So, um, I hope that makes sense. Um, I hope that ties together kind of the sin, addictions, negative inward state versus God's plan. And I think it's pretty easy to look at what you're doing and, and tell. I mean, you may be 60% in God's camp, 40% in seek pleasure, avoid pain, okay? So that's okay. Let's see if we can get to 65%. Let's see if we can get to 70%. Keep, keep progressing. We're not meant to get to a place and lay down on the couch, okay? We're meant to keep working. If a man doesn't work, he should need. Straight from Scripture, all right? Uh, and, and this is not just the stuff from scripture and the spiritual truths we're trying to describe. We've also got the test and, and the interventions that can help you heal these things manually. Okay? Always give God a chance to work first. But then if he doesn't, okay, hey, 
God made everything, made it very good, and made it for us to use for good. Okay? Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.